Hi, everybody, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Scout Sobel on the show. Scout is the founder of Scout's Agency and co-host of the popular OKSYS podcast. She is a trailblazer in the media industry for utilizing podcasts as a powerful form of PR. After starting OKSYS, which focuses on female guests, Scout fell in love with spreading women's stories and identified the rising popularity and influence of podcasting. She started Scout's agency with an emphasis in podcast PR for women entrepreneurs, podcasters, and brands. Scout's success did not come without trials and tribulations. She has been living with a severe case of bipolar disorder for 15 years. She was once unable to hold a job, go to college, or function in today's society. With a lot of self-development self work, Scout manages her bipolar disorder successfully and uses her mental health strength to fuel her entrepreneurial dreams. She uses her mental health journey to inspire other women to feel safe in their emotions and follow their entrepreneurial calling with her solo podcast, Scout. Her new book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, is out now. Welcome, Scout, to the show. Hi, if you're listening to my podcast when it drops, we made it. It is December 2021. It seems insane that a year has gone by. Uh, just few reminders. There's several things you could do to support my podcast, and I'd really, really appreciate if you did. So the first one is you can rate and review it. If you haven't rated and reviewed my podcast yet, it just takes a minute of your time. It's in the app. Just go ahead, click rate and review. If you want to write something, I love reading what everybody wrote. I can't respond to them, but I do love reading them. Also, please make sure if you can to donate on Patreon. Patreon is a site. You can find me at patreon.com and just put in Amy Robbins and I will pop up. Every little bit helps to support my podcast. So all of my podcast is paid for out of me. Um, I, you know, work hard and I want to provide you all with amazing content. And so if you could help me sort of like NPR, I would be very, very grateful. Also, please follow me on social media at Dr. Amy Robbins. You can find me on YouTube if you want to watch me. Uh, also, I have a new exciting website coming in January. So lots of exciting stuff coming for all of you, not to mention my amazing season in 2022. So thank you all for your support and enjoy this month's episodes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I feel like we're going to get into a very in-depth and uh, inspirational conversation today. I think we are. So I want to hear about your emotional health journey because it's pretty harrowing. And, and, and also about how you really were the one who decided to turn your life around. Yeah, harrowing is a, is a great way to put it. And I was actually at dinner with my girlfriend last night and uh, she was a roommate of mine in the early days. And so I forget that she really saw a lot of that deep, deep depression uh, very early on. And we were just talking about the contrast between me just eight years ago and today. So 
you know, my mental health journey really obviously started around the age of five, but I start really telling it because it started really coming more to the surface when I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. I had my first depressive episode and it really plummeted me into isolation, depression, anxiety, self-harm. And once my parents and my school really found out and saw a very big change in behavior within me, I was sent to therapy, which is really where my journey started. But it wasn't until I went for left for college at the age of 18 when my mind started exiting reality and I was developing psychosis and paranoia. And so then psychiatrists got involved. And at the age of 20, I was officially diagnosed and I dropped out of college immediately. And I feel as if since the age of 21, I've been on a more active role towards my healing, becoming a little bit more or becoming a lot more of an active participant and taking a radical responsibility over my emotions. And that shift in participating in my life and fighting for my life happened when I started dating my now husband, then boyfriend. And he said to me, he said, I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeless, I can't be in this relationship. Mm. But if you're depressed and hopeful, I can. And so it really was that last rock bottom moment where I wasn't willing to lose him after losing my college experience and so many years to depression. So that's what really kickstarted me on this journey. And I know we'll talk about that healing journey, but you know, I'm 30 today and I, and I would say, I feel as if it wasn't until I turned 29 that I felt really, really comfortable with uh, managing my disorder. What do you say to people who feel like they can't do it or they can't they can't get control of it because I know that's a big struggle for people and it really sounds like you I mean that that what your husband said to you was a real turning point um but but what about people who don't have that how do you encourage them you know first using the word I can't control it uh, assumes that this shouldn't be happening to you and you should be able to control something. I would invite them to change their perspective around what's happening to them. I don't control my bipolar disorder. I live with, in a dance with it. I accept mm -hmm. it. I honor it. And I allow it to come through and tell me what it needs to come through. When we start to control the quote unquote negative aspects of our life, that is us in a state of resistance and it's us in a state of non-acceptance. And I really, really invite you to ask yourself if you are still attempting to control or you feel as if you cannot do it, how is that perspective serving you? Because if you are asking this question, it's not serving you. So if you're willing to exhibit a little bit of humility and say, the way I'm doing it isn't working, and I'm not trying to get rid of my human experience, but I'm rather trying to embrace it so that I can develop strength and use it towards my advantage to find my true purpose in this life. I think you can start shedding that resistance and that non-acceptance and which really puts you into a victimhood state, right? When you feel as if, why is this happening to me? I can't get it under control. It's too powerful. You're really, you're really uh, weaponizing the disorder and placing yourself as the victim. So what I'm saying, and, and we'll talk a little bit about where my life I'm sure is at today, it is not because I control my disorder or I beat my disorder or I, you know, strangled it and now I'm good. Or you I no longer okay. feel these feelings anymore. 
oh yeah, I feel these feelings all the time, but when they come, I, I really honor them and respect them. And, and I feel confident within myself to move through the human experience. There is never a point where I say depression, why are you here today? I don't need you. It's okay. You're here. And what can I learn from you? Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think when I originally reached out to you, I was really thinking, oh, we're going to talk about what it means to be an emotional entrepreneur, which we'll get to. But I think your journey and and what one of the things I'm focusing on certainly in in next year's podcast episodes is how people can take control of their own lives. And you really you're a testament to that. Yeah, it's you know and. I think what I was thinking about yesterday, my sister will text me with some personal development stuff that challenges, maybe she's on a negative thought pattern loop, et cetera. And I think also one of the keys to success here and the keys to feeling safe in your emotions is to give yourself the proper time. If you're dealing with emotional turmoil, or let's just say you're listening and you're, you keep having this one negative thought on, on loop, give yourself a year, a whole year to put in the effort to when that thought comes into your mind, you're going to replace it with this thought. Give yourself a whole year of doing that before you check in and say, are my efforts working? Because Mm -hmm. healing is not linear. You move five steps forward, you move three steps back, you move six steps forward, you move two steps back. So it's accepting the fact that it's not linear and that you will step back and go back into those places that you thought you had emerged from and give yourself a very healthy overestimated timeline to make these changes because these are emotional habits. These are grooves in our mind. Our body is used to firing these ways. And so, you know, I, yes, I have been able to manage and find success, but it took me seven years, eight years to really, really get to a point where I feel good. And I love that you're saying that, you know, when people come into my office they're they they'll say, how long is this going to take? And I said, no one ever likes my answer to that question. The rest of your life. Right. Exactly. How long did it take you to, to get to me? Right. Like that, that is what I'm working with now. So how, how quickly can I get you some relief? That's a different question. How quickly are you going to be different in your life? It's going to take a couple of years at least. And it's not going to happen just because you come into my office once a week. Right. Right. What happened, you know, that was my problem very early on. I would just go to a therapist's office and I would take the medication and I would do what they would tell me to. And then outside of those office hours, I would not challenge my thoughts. I would not express gratitude. I would not eat well. I would not move my body. I would not move through anxiety. I wouldn't pray or meditate and everything else. And so once I realized that therapy, psychiatry, whatever form of support you're receiving, coaching, that's really 20% of the situation. The 80% that's going to drive you home is what you are going to do. You cannot walk into anybody's office and say, fix me and expect you to be fixed. So I think once you are ready to buckle up, suit up, do the work and be in this constant and very you know, forever commitment with your life and your personal development, that's when the change starts happening. Well, and I think also to your point, those are all tools, right? And so you, it sounds like you have a whole toolbox now of things that you can use to implement when you are feeling whatever it is you're feeling. And therapy, psychiatry, yoga, meditation, whatever it is, those are tools for you to help regulate your emotions. 
Yes. And the tool list is extensive. I have such a crazy tool list and they took years to cultivate because one thing might not work for you or that thing that you try like meditation didn't work for me three years ago. It just wasn't, it wasn't working today. Beautiful. I do it every single day. It's a non-negotiable. So when it comes to finding the tools in your toolbox to creating that mental health routine and support internally, it's like trying clothes on, try it out, see how you feel. Don't get too hard on yourself. But when you find something that you just have an inkling that it feels good, commit to it and try to do it every single day and see how you feel. And slowly over time, it'll become integrated into your routine and you'll look around and you're doing a 10 step routine. And every single one of those steps fuels you, fulfills you, supports you, uh, which is where I'm at. You know, I'm so grateful to be at today. So how do you view, or, or what does it mean to be an emotional entrepreneur? And how do you also incorporate spirituality in, in the workplace? Oh, such a good question. So, you know, I found entrepreneurship when I was 22. It was about a year after taking radical responsibility over my emotions. I was expressing gratitude. I was walking down the self-help aisle at Barnes & Noble, which was a very weird aisle to walk down, you know, nine years ago. I was going to support groups. I was doing everything. I got to a point where I was sitting and I I had this idea to start a magazine. And suddenly I went from the girl who couldn't be a gelato scooper or a hostess or, you know, attend college to launching my own magazine. And our third issue was sold in Barnes and Noble across the countries. And we had the musician Halsey on the cover. And so I recognized suddenly that entrepreneurship turned this thing on in my brain. It was like a light bulb. Mm -hmm. The second... I decided to do this. I went home. I researched for 12 hours. I made all these appointments. I did a Kickstarter campaign. I mean, I was off to the races and suddenly it dawned on me that sometimes when we have difficulty moving through society, it's because we haven't found the framework that works for our soul. So entrepreneurship worked so significantly for me because in my bipolar disorder, I have high highs, I have low lows entrepreneurship, I have high highs, I have low lows. I couldn't maintain a certain level of responsibility as a gelato scooper, as a hostess, because when I wasn't feeling well, I could call my psychiatrist and get a note to tap out. But when I'm an entrepreneur, there's nobody that can tap out. I have to show up. So by adding in that extra responsibility where it's on my shoulders, if I don't show up, no one will, it allowed me, it allowed all of my potential and my passion and my purpose to move through this specific vehicle. So an so emotional that accountability was really the game changer for you, being accountable yeah. to yourself. Yeah, I mean, you know, this sometimes might sound controversial in many ways, but looking back, you know, I think we talk a lot of, I think the language that I'm about to use is used a lot more towards addicts or alcoholics, where Are we enabling them to continue using? Are we not holding them accountable? And not that my parents did anything wrong and my support system did anything wrong, but nobody really held me accountable. And in that way, my depression was very, very uh, powerful. I could, Mm. at the snap of my fingers, have my entire family quit, like stop work, come over, drop everything, tend to me. In any second, I could say, hey, I I can't go to work today. I can't go to work today. I just can't do it. Boom, no rain. And so that that allowance of 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 me to to not push through some of that discomfort on my own 
didn't equip me with the tools to hold myself accountable. And so the only way that I was able to hold myself accountable was when I found entrepreneurship. And how does spirituality fit in with all of this? Oh my God. It's, it's the thing. It's the, <laughs> it's the foundation. You know, uh, when I started going on an active healing journey, it was because my husband is now 10 years sober. And at the time he was a year and a half and he had done the 12 step program. And I think the second step is to develop a relationship with the higher power. And so I just decided to try that when I was 21 because nothing else was working and Mm -hmm. I needed a new way. You know, when I was 21, that relationship didn't come to the extreme fruition that it's at now, but it was a starting point. It was an entry level. It was a curiosity. And then over the times I was just getting more and more drawn to spirituality, to synchronicities, to prayer, to um, viewing my life as being supported by a larger power at hand. You know, I, I grew up Jewish, but my my relationship to God, which is what I call it, it, is not religious. And today, in the last two years, it has been the support system that I leaned on when I decided to break through my last intense limiting beliefs that I was not safe in my emotions. And I said, what if I walked through this emotional fire knowing that God supports me and God created me? with these emotions for a reason. And so in moments where I feel like I cannot continue and in past times I would call my husband and tell him to come home or I'd make an emergency psychiatric appointment, I just stop and I pray and I ask for support because in those moments, all you really need is love and unconditional love and unconditional support and to receive it from a source and an energy that is not a human, that is not flawed and is not, you know, having a very similar experience, but is a little bit, a little bit more vast and expansive fills you with it. it, There's nothing I can compare it to than feeling as if you are a newborn being held by your mother. It's just, it takes you back to being a child and being supported. So it's a relationship that is extremely important in my life today. And what do you feel when you ask for help or support or guidance? What does that feel like to you? Like what I just did, a sigh of relief. I feel safe enough to be strong. Mm. I feel as if what I'm going through, I can handle it because it's being given to me and it's in front of me my insecurities and my self-doubt and my ego calm down and my true self, that true, strong, aligned, fulfilled, genuine, good self comes through and admits that this is hard and this feels challenging, but walks along the foundation with no doubt in her mind, no doubt that she can get through it. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the powerful piece, right? It's like the we've got you. Yeah. No matter what, we've got you. Yeah. It, yeah. Whatever we've that got looks you, like so it. I've got you. Right. So so I want to go dig into your book a little bit. And I pulled out a few little lessons that I thought people would benefit from. So one is 
Live in the live in uncertainties, discomfort. There you will find the root of all future abundance. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means? I think that, you know, I wrote the book because I was noticing very early on starting Scouts Agency that the reason I was successful in business, the reason we hit six-figure revenue first year, grew by 250% the next and grew 60% this year is not because I understood PR. It's not because I understood marketing. It's not because I understood P&Ls or budgeting or taxes or any of that. It's because I was emotionally, I had already emotionally walked through hell. And so I was willing to be emotionally uncomfortable in the pursuit of my dreams. And I looked around and saw so many women who weren't even getting into the game of starting their own business and living their dream life, not because they didn't have the resources or the education or even the finances to fund something. It was because they couldn't handle the emotional aspect of risk the fear of failure, fear in general, fear of judgment, rejection, rejection, and a lot of it came down to uncertainty, not knowing what people would say, not knowing if it would work, not knowing if they could do it, not knowing if the business would succeed or what if the market pivots or what if COVID happens again, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was seeing this, I don't know if this is the right terminology, but this kind of paradox in that Women weren't getting into the game because of the fear of uncertainty, but yet their lives were uncertain regardless. Mm-hmm. And we put these societal- Because const- life is uncertain, right? Yeah, that's, that's the only constant is that life will change and that it's uncertain. And so we put all these societal constructs around us to deal with uncertainty. We sign, you know, we get married and create a contract around our relationships. We- take jobs at corporations because we feel as if that's steady and stable. And yet those are facades, not to scare anybody, but you could lose your job tomorrow that you thought was secure for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Your marriage, God forbid, you know, could take a turn and something happens. The loved ones, the resources, the time, whatever it is might not be available to you tomorrow. And so I really ask people to think about If you want abundance, you have to come to terms that your life is uncertain anyway. So if you're forced to live in uncertainty, you might as well choose the uncertain option that bears the biggest fruits. Mm. And and you, I guess, are the most certain uncertain option, right? Because you know that, you know, you know, the you know, the entity you're getting. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you hit it on the head. Exactly. So the other thing you talk about is setting a higher standard for yourself. Um, and my question is, how do, you, how do you do that with people who are really weighed down by their emotional health? Setting a higher standard for your life is like running a marathon. You don't run the whatever it is, 25 miles on day one. You run for five minutes. I tried that once. I, not a marathon. I tried to run a 10K once, not practicing, not ever. Oh my God, I can't yeah. even run a mile. It was, neither can I, which is why that was a really bad idea. Okay, exactly. That Did, did that work? No, I mean, no. I did okay. it, but I couldn't walk for like two weeks. Oh my God, that is yeah. like my worst thing. Right I don't even want to run for three minutes, to be honest. But it's it's a very similar idea that if you are emotionally 
so weighed down and so lost. Setting a higher standard means tomorrow you're going to wake up and add in hope. That's it. Tomorrow, your higher standard is that you are now someone who practices being a hopeful person. And That's how do you find standard. hope? Where do you find hope? In trust. You don't, don't rationalize it. Don't intellectualize it. Don't look for evidence of it. Just feel it. Just feel it. If you're asking yourself so many questions of, well, I don't know this, and where am I going to find this? And da, 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 get out of the head, mm-hmm. turn it off, and just commit that tomorrow I'm going to be a hopeful person. Meaning that I have something to look forward to. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was really hard for me to have faith in myself mm-hmm. because I had all this evidence. I drop out of college. I have voices in my head. There's no evidence that I'm going to get better here. So sometimes it's okay to fight for something that's not you. Mm. I was fighting for my husband. You can fight for a parent. You can fight for the book you want to publish. You can fight for the ocean, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to fight for yourself in the beginning. Find something something that sounds better than where you're at today Mm -hmm. and hope that that will come true. Mm -hmm. And I I really appreciate that when I, I often talk with people when, when I talk about building confidence and things along those lines to take the information that other people have given you over time, right? Maybe an email you got from a friend or a card or whatever it is that says like, I think you're um, awesome, or I loved how you did this, or thank you for doing that. And put it in a folder and keep it there, an inspirational folder, whatever it is, and refer back to that as much as you need to until you can internalize that experience for yourself and you don't need it anymore, right? It's like it's like a little baby who's learning to walk. They don't just stand up and walk. They have a little push thing to start with, a little, a little walker. Yeah. Yeah. I always and say then, evidence. Right. And then you can start to internalize that and it becomes your truth. And that's what it sounds like you're saying about hope too. Yes. Yes, exactly. So uh, also, I love this one. Don't be so attached to the initial plan. Let the universe show you where you should go. How do we know that the universe, this is a question that comes up often on my show. How do we know that the universe is showing us where to go? How do we follow those breadcrumbs? Following the signs is one of the trickiest things at times because you're like, is everything a sign? Is that enough of a sign? Is that, you know, does this mean something else? And so I think it's, again, getting out of that rational intellectual mind and allowing yourself to be guided by what feels good, by allowing yourself to be mindful and aware of what's around you, right? So I have a practice that I got from Gabby Bernstein, which is my sign from the universe is the Rolling Stones. And when I am making a big decision, I will ask, like, can I please see my sign if I should move forward in this direction? If this is where my life should go. For example, I did it for assigning my office. I said, show me a sign. And I woke up in the morning and I have a Rolling Stones t-shirt and uh, my housekeeper had done the laundry and she put the Rolling Stones shirt on the top. And I thought, well, I own a Rolling Stones t-shirt. That can't be the sign, right? Mm -hmm. And then I go and then I'm on, um, I'm with my family and a Rolling Stones cover plays. And I'm like, 
okay, that, that's a sign. There's my sign. Right. But like, I'm little Nana. And then my, my, my stepmom comes up to me and she's like, have you been listening for the last four songs? They've all been Rolling Stones. And so sometimes we don't even open our eyes to the guidance that we're being given. Mm-hmm. I remember. So the first thing is, is uh, open your eyes, be mindful and re- allow moments to receive. Don't cut yourself off from outside guidance. I remember I was so depressed earlier this year and I had to get out of the house. So I asked my husband if he would meet me for dinner. And uh, I went early because I just needed, I needed to get dressed. I needed to go out. And I just read my book, Return to Love by Marion Williamson outside the restaurant. And this older gentleman came up to me and he noticed my book. He's a new, he was new to the area. I mean, he was like probably 75, much older than myself. Mm. And he just started talking to me and he said, you know, you, he said really nice things about me and my energy. And when he left, this other guy came up to me and said, you know, you should be really proud. You're a really good person. Hmm. And I was so depressed. And all of a sudden I looked around and I said, God has given me two angels. Mm -hmm. And it's in that Mm -hmm. choice to view them as that. That's how you listen to the universe. You don't second guess the things that come into your life and you view everything as meaningful and for a purpose. And so I could have very easily been like, oh, these two older gentlemen are bothering me and I'm reading and da 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 But I opened myself up because I know that there's no, I don't know if it's humility or if it's surrender, but moving through this life, there's no way that I know all the answers and I know how to do everything. And everything I see and feel and believe is correct. And so when you just soften and say, I'm going to take action, I'm going to take a leap. In that case, it was, I'm going to ask my husband if he can just go to dinner with me because I need to get out of the house and put jeans on and makeup. And I'm just going to see what happens. And then when things happen, allowing the meaningful moments to really, really integrate and really feel really alive for them, present Mm -hmm. for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a moving story because it is about letting in. Yeah. And yeah, I, I could so, have shut those those men down. Right, I could have. Right. And that was probably something that helped pull you a little bit out of that depressive state. It did. I I remember getting chills and just saying, wow, I did my part. My part was to acknowledge and accept how I was feeling. And my part was to take action to move through this energy and the rest was given to me. And you don't then know what you opening up to them allowed them to do. Right. So it's like this, it's, it's a, um, it's a, it's a wave. Yeah. It's like an open current. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, resting is as productive as healing. Yeah. Just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am known for being aggressive with my healing. I'm known for being aggressive with my work. I'm, you know, I, I resonate with the word hustle, which I know rubs people the wrong way. And I think I'm so alive in my healing and I'm so alive in my hustle because I'm equally as alive in my rest. So Mm -hmm. I am very much about, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, 
We talk a lot about the productivity ways to optimize our nine to five. How do we be focused? Time batch, this, this, all these tools to get through the day the best way. Um, But the nine to five doesn't mean anything if your five to nine is just as optimized. And when I'm off work, I'm off work and I'm resting. And resting doesn't mean scrolling on Instagram or TikTok. It doesn't mean binging Netflix, which is a part of that, right? Like every now and then we do that. But when I'm off, it's how do I fill these moments with things that are going to actually nourish and restore me? Is it taking Mm -hmm. a bath? Is it meditating? Is it journaling? Is it putting my phone away and reading a book versus just binging, you know, something on Netflix? Is it being mindful when my husband comes home and not just being on my phone, but really having a conversation with him, cooking dinner with my own two hands, putting my phone away. It's a lot of putting my phone away, getting outside, all those things that I think sometimes we as a society are so burnt out and stressed out. And it's not actually because of our nine to five. I believe we are capable of a lot more than we know we are. It's because when we're not quote unquote working, we're frying our nervous system with stimulation and stimulation and stimulation and content that doesn't serve us. And so that five to nine is sacred. I get my eight and a half hours I spend it with people I love. I calm my nervous system down. I give myself love, skincare, et cetera. And I really put a time limit on the things that, in my opinion, just stress me out further. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we think the nine to five is what stresses us out. But I really believe it's the way we prioritize and take care of our rest. That's the thing that does that extra fry to that nervous system. Such good, wise, sage advice. Yeah. So before we open it up for questions, quick speed questions, I have for you a couple of them. Okay. Ready? Yes. I I sort of stole this idea from my friend, um, Dr. Avanti, who has the Healing Catalyst podcast. She did it to me. So I tweaked some of them, but I want to give her credit. Um, Spirituality means? I want to say everything, but that's a little too general. So Spiritual spirituality means that I am safe and connected. What is something most people don't know about you? That I'm not um, spontaneous. I'm very, very rigid. And so I'm not flexible with, uh, you know, where I'm sleeping or when I'm eating or what I'm getting up in the morning. I'm uh, very, very rigid. What is one thing you are really looking forward to right now? I'm uh, going to Palm Springs with my husband over the holiday break. What is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? Uh, This sounds very uh, shallow, but right now, coffee. (laughs) In this moment. Uh, What is the book on your nightstand? Right now, it's um, Courage something, uh, Ryan Holiday's new book on courage. Okay. I don't know that one. Yeah. He's a, he writes the all about stoicism philosophy. And while I find some of it to be a little bit void of magic and, and um, yeah, magic Mm -hmm. um, as someone who's highly emotional, his books really do help me rein in and, you know, kind of come back to that grounded perspective. Mm. What's your favorite spiritual practice? Meditation and prayer, but probably prayer. What is the most transformative experience you've had in your life? My first uh, spiritual awakening, I had it on my honeymoon. 
and it was pretty wild. What happened? I just remember suddenly becoming awake to the fact that synchronicities are real and everything kind of propels you to the next moment. Like my husband left the hotel umbrella at the restaurant. So we had to go back. And as we went back, he opened the door. He like hit heads with this girl. He went to high school with this girl. They were friends. She's a hostess out in Tulum. She invites us to her restaurant. I don't want to go because it's not on my itinerary. We go anyways. And she goes, Hey, this guy, he opened up, he's an alchemist. He's new. Do you mind if he sits with you at your table? My husband has been dying to meet an alchemist. And we were talking about it the whole trip. And so suddenly I was like, Oh, my husband had to leave the umbrella. I had to realize it in that exact moment, like everything had to match up so perfectly. Mm. And so then I just was in awe at the way things work. And I, my anxiety just completely left me for days and I felt different. I felt as if I was viewing everything very differently. And I remember thinking to myself, what are people going to, I was asking someone something. I said, what are people going to think about me if I come home and I live in this, in this new way of viewing things? And as I asked this, I listened to a song playing and the songs playing says, if you don't like my fire, don't come around because I'm going to burn one down. And then I was like, OK, I people are talking to me. And it just uh, it was a really, really it was the first time I felt in complete flow with the spiritual realm. Wow, that's an amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> and And to your point, one thing after another just lines up when you when you lean into it and allow it to, to do that. And you can choose to see that as ordinary and coincidences, or you can choose to see it as a magical support of uh, force, a magical force of support. Right. And, and one is a kind of boring way to live your life. <laughs> I'd rather believe in magic guys. You Me know? <laughs> too. I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with you. Scout. Thank you so much. I'm going to open it up for questions, but before I do, where can people find you if they want to know more about your work or your book or everything you're doing in this world? Because it's amazing. Yay. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Uh, there you can find links to my agency, Scout's Agency, my podcast, which I actually just rebranded to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. Oh, and you okay. can get the link to buy my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur. Great. Well, if anybody in the audience has questions, come on up. Uh, if not, we will wrap it up for today. Sounds good. This was so lovely. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. You, you are very wise. Thank you. Very it's wise. The, it's the, I always say, uh, my pain alchemized into gold. It really did. And, and you're sharing it with the world. And I think it's so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if there are no questions, I guess we will wrap it up for today. So thank you so much, Scout. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>